For the past few months, we've been granted a look beyond the veil, a look at the top track and field program in Canada, insight into what goes into each event group's training, and witness from some of the people who have trained with the group and have gone on to face the best in the world. After seeing what there is to see, there's really only one way to pull it all together and finish what we started, and that's to regroup with some of the usual suspects and have a conversation, bring up some of the questions you've been asking, chase down some personal curiosities, and find out just where the Speed River and University of Guelph track and field teams are going in the future. Hello and welcome to Something in the Water, the story of the University of Guelph and Speed River track and field teams brought to you by Cities Meg. Now, for the past few months, we've been covering everything from sprinters to marathoners, throwers and jumpers, all within the Guelph groups. And for our final episode, we invited back a panel of speakers from the group to answer a few more questions. Joining us in this chat were Brenda Scott Thomas, a member of the integrated support team, Dave Scott Thomas, founder and coach of the group, Evan Esselink, the Canadian 10,000 meter champion, and Scott McDonald, GM of the group. We started off by asking if they had learned anything new by listening to the series. So I'd go for a run every Sunday, like you'd send me the episode just before it dropped. Um, so from my end, it was a pretty raw experience in the sense that I usually wouldn't know week to week what was coming or what the questions were. Or so I'd go for that was my routine for the last couple of months. I'd just go for a run on Sunday and listen to that episode. And uh, you know it was really cool because it, it's sort of you're not micro editing like it's a, it's longer form interviewing. And uh, I was impressed with how articulate most of our folks seemed. <laughs> you know it was actually structured and it just made me really happy and uh, reminded me of uh, how great it is to be working with the people we've got. Like it was just a, a neat experience to hear them talking about the unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> for me, um, I don't know, this kind of goes back to, I think it was our first podcast that you had, um, and my coach Dave, he was talking about, um, the experiences, just the date back to when this all started, um, and hearing about, I don't know, just what makes this group an awesome group and some were unique to train is the experiences, not necessarily just how fast people are running, just how fast you know, we got like a lot of Olympians, which is great, but hearing about those little stories and those are things that you remember um, as an athlete um, growing through the sport. And I think that's a really cool thing that exists here. Um, and it's cool to have my own coach uh, say that those experiences almost mean more than just, you know, times you put up on the board. And that's what kind of makes you run fast in the first place is the enjoyment behind it. Um, and yeah, because of that, uh, I don't know. It's just it's just hear that cool to hear that background to a speed river that you don't really see on the outside. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I don't think that a lot was a surprise to me entirely. Although uh, I've heard um, some of the stories that Dave has lots of stories, so I know that that was that was a bit surprising to me just how many stories Dave has. But um, I think surprising to people is just how much work went into, I mean, I, I think people see the success and they, they think those things happen overnight. And um, I think some of the stories of the beginnings and how, how it's been built to, to where it is today, uh, maybe surprise some people out there. Um, but I wasn't surprised knowing, uh, knowing the group here, how hard they've worked to, to put this together over a 20 year period. 
um, just just another reminder that uh, as soon as uh, as soon as we get some some questions, uh, we'll be sure to ask the appropriate people. In the meantime, though, I have I have a couple questions. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll actually this this first one's this first one's directed at you, Dave, and. Um, you know what I've what I've noticed with your group is that I have seen at least at least one pair athlete uh, training with within a group, and I have to wonder because I really feel like that group is not really well represented in in youth sports right now. As someone who has you know a pair athlete training with you right now, where where's that at right now, and what's what's what do you think the evolution is in in youth sports? Mm -hmm. Um. The the pool of athletes in U Sports in Paris is small, and we we've had a pretty long history of it, uh, going way back to Jason Dunkley who came here. I mean, early years. I could talk about stories and going back, Scott. But he was he was like first generation athlete here. He came up from uh, uh, Brantford School for the Blind, and you know our approach to that is. Um, we want to be an inclusive program, not just with para, but with anything. So uh, Jay was a, a very uh, bold and brave individual, walked into an environment, and we didn't know what we were doing, and we figured out by a lot of uh, trial and error and smacking into things. And I, he, to my knowledge, was the first para-athlete that competed in youth sport track and field. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what I appreciated was the openness of uh, – of coaches and other programs to that because there wasn't a pair of category. Mm -hmm. So he just ran able-bodied and with a, a guide. And I, I mean, our first competition down at um, Windsor, I remember going to uh, Dennis Farrell down there and just saying, look, here's the situation. Can we put an extra guy? Uh, you have to have a guide for Jason on the line. And on a 200-meter track, it's uh, a bit chaotic. And it, uh, there was issues with passing and all the bodies and whatnot. So that was a really neat experience from many aspects and one was just the open-mindedness of people to do new things within the sport but there really hasn't been a door that's open for that to continue on it's a bit a bit uh, situational so we had Leah Robinson here for the last couple of uh, years she just graduated last year uh, she competed and so we have decisions to make then um, uh, that is do you compete in a separate para type of event mm -hmm. with Leah and often and, and it was uh, Madison uh, down at uh, uh, Windsor as well, right, uh, who was running. So often it was just the two of them in a competition. Or you put them in with uh, able body competition um, and whatnot. I'm not sure there's an evolution that's captured yet. I'm not sure U-Sport is evolving to have a separate pair category or to... I've heard no talk about it being scored. Hmm. They continue mm -hmm. when discussion happens of being sort of these exhibition type of events. Um, I'd be curious to see it trending that way, um, as I would with other societal elements, which I think should be, uh, we should be thoughtful about. One issue for me would be transgender athletes in sport and where we're going to go with that. And I know in our environment here, um, we would be open and we would be inclusive. Uh, what does that mean in terms of the structure of sport with, with so many issues? So those are societal <laughs> elements. <laughs> and I think Sport is often reactive and retrograde in that, is slow to change. So uh, I'd like to be thinking ahead to where we can get to. So that's sort mm -hmm. of a windy answer to your question. For sure. So do you, like, do you potentially see a time uh, when there could be, you know, a scored para um, category? Or do you think that the pool just isn't deep enough right now? I'd like to think there, there would be a time. And I'd like to think it wouldn't be that far off. Uh, it, it gets into the bigger issue of where sport is going to head in the future 
overall globally. And I think big changes are going to happen for a number of reasons for technology, for uh, issues of genetic manipulation. I mean, we're, we're getting into some pretty heady stuff uh, with that. I think U-Sport is neat in the sense that it's still, um, there's a bit more of a tendency for that, that a bit of the purity of it, that is just people working hard and doing it for those reasons. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm curious to see where it will change. I, my motive here has always been our sense of community and anybody who's interested and uh, wants to work in a partnership with me or our unit, then we're going to find a space for them mm -hmm. somehow, some way. And then if that becomes a vehicle for change within the league, uh, so, so be it. Now, this next question is for, for Evan. And um, you, you were pretty explicit in, uh, in your interview uh, about being a, being a 10K guy, and that's, that's something that, that you want to, to stick to. Um, however, since then, you've, you've made a, a national team as uh, the World Half Marathon Championship team. Uh, I think people are wondering, is, is that marathon, is, is it coming up in the future now? Um, most definitely not. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, uh, there's, there's, I don't, yeah, I'm not going to like say anything that is or that isn't because honestly, that's exactly where my mind's at right now. And, um, there's been talk of a marathon, um, coming up. I don't know necessarily when that is, but, um, I don't know. I think, I think for me, marathon running is really hard. <laughs> like <laughs> that's a lot of running. <laughs> um, I'm not saying like, I won't get into, I like, I will definitely, I will definitely get into marathoning for sure. Uh, when that comes, I am not completely sure. I, you know, I know people get tired of hearing this and I appreciate all the time, but <laughs> I feel like I have a lot more left on the 10 K on the track. Um, I really love running on the track. I don't know. I really like running on the roads too, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I love 25 laps on a track. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I, I think, you know, one within the next year could be a possibility, but I think a lot of it might ride on kind of how this outdoor season goes on the track. Um, you know, the ultimate goal is to make Tokyo 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, and I see myself there and the 10 K on the track. I know there's been a little bit of loose talk. I don't know. I don't keep up with it that much, but I heard about moving the 10 K to the roads. I don't know if that might be 2024 though, or something down more down the road, but I've always wanted to run that stadium. Um, that's always been a big dream of mine. Uh, you can't, well, you get to end there in the marathon. I talked to Dave about that. You, you do get to, we actually looked into that. We, I know yeah, you get to finish in the stadium, which is really obviously special. But, um, yeah, I think like, you know, if, if a 10 K under 2830 is in me, I think I might keep plugging away at those. That doesn't mean I can't go do a marathon in the fall. Um, you know, I could still come back and on the 10 K, but those are all just very up in the air things. But, um, yeah, I just, uh, until I get that very strong passion, like Trevor Hoffbauer, he's got a very strong passion for the roads. And I think you really need that to be successful. I'm not saying I don't have a passion for that, but my hundred percent of my mind is on the track right now and it still is. Um, but definitely can see myself there uh maybe sooner maybe later than people expect i don't know <laughs> um yeah um you know 
I was talking to to Reed Coolsat last week for the marathoning episode um, of of this show, and he talked about how you guys have have done a couple of workouts together, you know, in, in the past year. Um, I want to know, you know, as you're taking on the half marathon and stuff, has you know, has there been, you know, new stimuluses in training and like, has there been any shift in your training to accommodate for the longer distance? Um, I would say that, so I did my first half actually a couple of years ago, which I don't think many people knew before I did Houston. Um, I ran a 64 high, um, in Indianapolis after I graduated off of mostly just 5k, 10k training. Um, back in my collegiate career, we did a lot of like longer tempos, um, one every few weeks. So I had I know years of that in me, so I felt like I was ready to go try and run a half. Um, and I feel like the 10K track training is not much different from half marathon training. Um, however, I think like half marathon training is a lot different than marathon training. Dave might tell me otherwise, but it's just like what <laughs> I, what you would agree. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so in terms of my actual training, I don't think it's changed that much. I will, mm-hmm. for prep for Houston, um, I was on the roads a lot more than I have been in the past, but that's kind of fitting because I'm racing on the roads. So, um, makes sense. So in that sense, it has changed. Um, I've, I had a workout last Thursday. I think it was last Thursday or the Thursday before that. I don't know. My mind's all screwy, but, um, <laughs> it was like 35 minute warm up, 45 tempo, 10 rest, 20 tempo. And that was the biggest volume workout I've ever done in my life. Um, mostly that 35 minute warm up will get you, but there was a purpose to that. And that's what I told Dave after, to be honest, it didn't go well, um, in terms of the paces that I wanted to hit. Um, but those are the kind of things, I don't know, like a hint at a marathon workout kind of thing and see how my body can handle it. But obviously in the future, if I get into marathoning, it'll get a little easier, but to not go too far on this tangent to answer your real question, uh, yeah, I, uh, I think that the training isn't much different, just more on the roads, I guess. Um, yeah. This one's uh, for Scotty Mack. When when we first talked... You're not going to ask me about the marathon. <laughs> That's not going to happen. No, no. We've already decided <laughs> we're going to get you under four again, whether that be for an 800 or a mile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe 800. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, you know, when, when I first talked to you for the IST episode uh, or for the sports staff episode, you were... Uh, very green to the job. I believe it might have been your first or, or second week. Um, the first week, yeah. <laughs> what, do you feel like you could add anything to that now? Like, what have you learned since then? Um, I, I mean, for me, it's just been getting familiar with uh, with the group, getting settled in. Um, I think uh, maybe understanding uh, what surprised me a bit was the demands of the indoor season. It was, you know, very uh, very busy time. Um, with the collegiate program, um, but also um, the Speed River athletes as well. So we had times when we were sending two buses to two different places and people all over the place. So um, that probably was uh, uh, a bit eye-opening for me, just how busy and and demanding the schedule is during this time. But uh, no, I mean, overall, it's uh, it's been what I expected of a really good, strong, supportive team here that I'm happy to be a part of. And um, I, you know, it's a, it's a place where every day people want to get better in, mm-hmm. in every way. And that's just was what was really intriguing to me. And, and that's been my experience so far. 
for those of us tuning into our Facebook Live uh, right now, you can you can send in your questions and, and we'll be sure to ask them to the appropriate uh, panel, member of the panel here with us today. Um, this next question is is for Dave and uh, perhaps we'll pass it over to, to Brenda as well as a, as a member of that, the, that support team. But uh, one, I guess uh, for lack of a better term, one real hot topic right now uh, in the running media is is women's health and um, you know making sure that competitive women's runners are healthy and, and functioning the way that they should be. We've had this conversation before about stuff that you've done to ensure that within the team. Um, perhaps you, you can expand upon that and, and how your own mind has kind of evolved over the years. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a complicated topic to do it really well. Uh, not just with women, but with men as well. But I, I, I get your question. Um, and I think in coaching, you're always trying to evaluate where you're at and evolve, looking at what you've done in the past, um, framing that and building off it to do it better in the future. And so there's, there's a lot of exploring that's going along with that. Certainly right now, we're mining pretty deeply on some of those issues, particularly around REDS, so uh, uh, reduced energy deficiency syndrome, which is sort of the evolution of the female athlete triad. It captures male athletes as well. And um, it, it, we've come to an understanding, not just here within our unit, but uh, globally with endurance athletes, that a lot are in low energy states chronically a lot of the time. And so that makes it very difficult to have multi-year success to stay at a high level. So we've been trying to figure that out, and that is how we can ensure long-term health, not just long-term athletic health, but how people decades from now will have appropriate bone density and uh, positive energy balance and live the lives that they want to live, and then how you're able to perform with that. It's, imp it's imperfect sometimes. Uh, two years ago, for example, when we were, we were working through our uh, medical unit and, and uh, our lead doc, Margo's with the IOC Medical Commission. So we're talking to some people that are, are knowledgeable. You know, uh, we really worked with our women on trying to increase energy states. And then along with that came an increase in mass. And along with that, we tried to capture the fact that that's increased impact stress. Um, but that, that was two years ago. We had an increased uh, incidence of lower limb injuries that year. And I think it's about as simple as, as that. We had not quite figured out how to capture increased weight gain. We had higher uh, uh, incidences of uh, uh, menstruation and overall health and hormone profiles and all of those things, but we had a greater incidence of injury and and also some non-functional mass, so people were running a little slower so then you deal with all of those issues. Then we've evolved that now to do it a little bit better, and uh, our injury incidences come back down, and performances have gone up, and everything else we're quantifying sort of seems to indicate greater long-term health. Um, Hillary, actually Trenton Hillary, and, and Hillary's been really generous with her own personal information. You know, they did a neat summary that they, they put out in uh, social media this year about, about those kind of things. So um, I'll pass it over to Brenda, but it is something where we continue to try to learn. And the legacy we hope is, you know, I, I want people when they're 20 years from now, 30 years to look back and say, that guy in that team did right by me. They took good care of me. I had a great time. They really uh, um, shepherded me as an individual, and I'm healthy and living the life I want to live right now. Uh, I would 
add to that in the in the when I think about in the clinic. Um, so we're not doing as specific like with manual therapy or hands-on or um, our own type of coaching. I would say when when we have an athlete on the table, um, we don't have a lot of the the data there to sort of know the state that they're in. Um, we could access it, but a lot of I think what I've learned over this last year from U Sport last year to through the cross country season is that um, there's a lot that goes into an athlete feeling pain. So pain is a very subjective thing and with working with a lot of these athletes over time, you really actually have to get to know them to start to understand when they explain a pain, just how bad that pain is because of of who they are and you know do we modify and how much do we modify because of that uh, reporting so um, so it's it's this big juggle in the clinic it's a little bit easier but then on, out on the field when it comes game time it's it's a totally different story because they're all excited to perform and the coaches are trying to to talk to us to get a read on uh, what we think and what we would suggest from what we're seeing as therapists, but also what they're seeing as coaches for that, for that athlete and what this means to them. So it's this big sort of weigh-in of um, whether you take risks or whether you, you push because you think that this is all gonna turn out okay and a lot of times, I end up turning around and not watching some of the some of the race because I think I don't know how this is going to go and uh, you know it, my I'm learning all the time because of that because of this reporting of pain uh, getting to know the athlete's personality as well as um, I think the biggest predictor of something I mean stress fracture is the big or stress reaction is the big uh, bad thing. Uh, that generally, if you have a history of stress fracture, then likely, then that's something you just have to take into consideration that, oh, oh, you know, this isn't a good symptom. But other than that, there's a lot more factors that you take in on the table or out in the field. Well, that's a good point to me. That's, uh, there's an individual response to pain, as you're saying, but just an athlete's reporting. Uh, so it, it, that has to do with relationship to authority and power and knowledge and all those kind of things. But the variance is massive. You have some people that will under-report pain. Uh, they're pretty tolerant or resilient, or they just want to compete. And then you have people that they have a very different kinesthetic sense. I mean, we had one uh, a number of years ago, a real elite athlete, multiple Canadian national team athlete, whose pain tolerance was relatively low and you don't know that initially you know they'd come and they say and I still remember the moment we started nailing it down you, you you'll know who I'm talking about and, and uh, you know I, I couldn't change it because I'm in pain and I said okay on a one to ten scale uh, how how badly do you feel two and I'm like yeah but ten's the bad one right like ten <laughs> like one is no pain and they said yeah I know it's a two I can't work out today you know and I think like I wake up in the morning I'm at five 
you know? <laughs> what do you mean two? Like, but, but that was real for their head. They had right. a certain sense of how they, were, they needed to feel. And when they were in that pocket, they were phenomenal, but there was very little wiggle room outside of that, that kinesthetic sense. So uh, the variance in performance of, of that particular athlete was massive. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to add into that too because um, it, it's interesting when you when you you talk about waking up with five out of ten pain and uh, <laughs> um, so and I'm six a, out of ten right yeah. now. So. <laughs> I think there's uh, there there's there's different body types too that um, what we end up seeing more in the clinic is people that have more flexible joints. So when you have more flexible joints, your tissue system compensates by winding up and giving you some stability. So it's when you add, when you, especially when I use the word winding, and you add a track into that, then there's more winding that happens, and then you start to get tissue stress. And ideally, it's just something's pulling, this feels too tight, um, and it's a progressive kind of symptoms so that you can get on top of it much more easily but there's also a lot of people that have postural vulnerabilities that go with this high joint mobility that they can actually cough or turn and talk to somebody and they'll kink something mm. uh, or they'll step on a, a rock or a, a walnut shell or something <laughs> and and they'll and they'll they'll get stuck somewhere and they actually like the pain from that is something that is a very different kind of pain. So, so there's all these different types of pain and numbers and personality uh, there and history, what your pain history has been. Coming off of a stress fracture or stress reaction and back into training, that's a very scary thing because you're going to have load pain to that area and you just, it's hard to get out of your head that that's not a harmful thing. You just have to, the tissue has to adapt. So. So yeah, it's, it's a constant, um, my brain's going all the time in the clinic, just trying to understand the person, the symptom, the situation, and make it all work in a way that they're going to have success. I still have that walnut. <laughs> 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 <you do. laughs> um, another reminder, if you're watching via Facebook Live right now, be sure to send in a, a question. We'll, we'll be sure to pass along that, that question. Uh, this next question, we'll, we'll start with Evan. Um, and another big topic right now in general, but certainly within the running world as well too, is the, is the whole idea of, of mental health. There's, there's no doubt that, um, as athletes, you guys are putting yourselves through a lot of stress, um, physically, but also, also mentally as well too. So I, I think this one actually applies to, to a number of people, uh, here as well too. What do you do personally, and do you feel that within the team there are you know safeguards and, and people watching over you to to make sure that you're doing okay? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, glad you brought this up. It's uh, it's kind of I don't know. It's something that doesn't get um, recognized a lot, um, particularly as well. I don't know. As a post collegiate, that happens a lot. Like you, you know, you've for me, um, I had like. You know, I have an awesome team here. Um, I love the guys. Um, train with the collegiates a good amount, not as of late, just with the half marathon training, but, you know, see them around and stuff. But coming from a group of 20 or 25 guys um, when I was uh, at a collegiate, like, those guys are your best friends. And um, you have some, like, awesome times together. 
and then you know you, you graduate and you kind of gotta move on it's the way it works um i still wanted to run so um, i came here and it still has that awesome feeling um it's you know I'll, I'll, to be honest i'm not as close with the collegiates obviously i'm not on the collegiate team you don't ha you don't experience like you know you don't get to go to youth sports and like all those fun trips and everything and um which is part of growing up too so you know as a post-collegiate you know like myself i'm all in with this right now um you a lot of your days are dedicated to just taking a long time to do things that don't take a long time to do um it's just you know just trying to keep yourself occupied but serving energy um you know you got a run coming up then you got another one in the afternoon like it's there's a lot of boredom um i i keep myself busy um and if i don't i think i would go stir crazy and my mental health would uh, take a hit um so i mean things that i do i paint occasionally um i read um studying for a course right now um yeah just try and keep myself busy but as a post-collegiate if you don't perform well um it sucks because you know right now i'm not making money i get some funding but um I'm, a lot of it's supported by my parents and there's this not a pressure to perform but if i don't i feel bad because like they're helping me through this right now and i want to run fast um that's a lot of pressure which i try not to think about at all but sometimes yeah you can take a can take a bit of a hit mentally um and we do have a resource here um a mental health professional and she is awesome um fantastic actually it's probably like my a big piece of my training here mm -hmm. um she i i don't see her that often but when i do i feel much better about myself um and a big thing just to me is staying happy and staying happy like finding internal happiness really because um, you can't control some other factors around you that are happening whether you know like this is a bad example whether you like lose a loved one like you can't control that and but you can control your own internal happiness and you can make the most out of your relationships with the people that you have here um and around you and i think that goes a long way to performing well um but you know it's it's nice like davis i've had a meeting with him he's like you know you can uh talk to me about anything um that is on your mind that stays between you and i so it's kind of like another internal person to talk to and i'm sure you know scott on my left would probably do the same same with brenda and even yourself and to be surrounded by people um that do understand maybe like if you're going through a struggle or whatnot and uh you know if any of my teammates are listening to this right now i'm that guy too straight up um i've been that guy someone can talk to you know the whole um bell let's talk thing went went on and um just recently in february and um it's just yeah having knowing that people are there if you need to talk to them is great and uh that in itself relaxes you and helps you mentally like you know be cool and uh have yourself together i don't know just knowing that those resources are there um is good in its own yeah for sure for sure this is, do you have um any thoughts on this as a member of the ic team I think it sort of taps into what I was say saying before is um, you can see 
when someone comes into the clinic and uh, for a session that they may come in and their their brain is full because of what they're feeling with their body what's coming up as their next race or what the session for that that day is going to be um, and then they lie down we start to go through a therapy session and they just start talking and and a lot of it is because it's the recognition of that they're in a place where someone's going to look after you and there's history there so that they there's trust and a lot of times um, I think there's the techniques that we would do the um, the, th the actual physical therapy it's it's just it plays a smaller part than just the time in and the discussion that happens um, so I think one I was I pointed out to Dave actually at OUAs that you know one of the girls just came up and we were chatting and she just said oh I just like to come and talk to you because you're, you're so calm that it's just a, a, in a state where they're just everything their engines are revving and they're ready to go is um, a lot of what they know that I can do or listen just kind of brings that down a little bit so I think there's there's a lot that we're addressing um, with uh, with their mentality when they come into the clinic or when we treat them at a competition this, uh, this next one's for for Scotty Mack and uh, you know when we were emailing back and forth uh, about being here for the panel today uh, you're talking a little bit about recruitment and I can't maybe in your in your last job I can't see you doing a, a ton of recruiting there but this this must be be kind of new to you I think we're all wondering what are the selling points of this program that you really emphasize when you go out and, and represent the university in Speed River and, and try to bring people in? Uh, sure. No, I, yeah, recruiting is not something I've <laughs> done in the past in, uh, with Athletics Canada and that sort of thing. But I was through the process as an athlete myself and, and always had some ideas around... Um, around it, for me, it's really about finding the right fit for the, for the right kid in the right environment. Um, as far as selling... Uh, the program here um, certainly the the results speak for themselves but I think um, just like some of the things that are being alluded to here um, the support team around you know you get great academics and um, and athletics but I think um, also we talk about citizenship and and um, you know developing great people along the way that's something that's always been um, talked about here um, but that support team of you know, mental performance and, um, you know, the paramedical, physios, um, docs, that, that kind of stuff is something that, uh, that we really promote here. I think we do a great job and just uh, similar to, to what um, Brenda and Evan were saying on the, the sort of mental performance stuff, I think, you know, it's one thing to get um, good performances and I think sometimes that's what people focus on in our sport is the physical expression of of that and uh, times and intervals and performances and all that kind of thing but um, and then there can be frustration from a coaching standpoint or whatever why is this not clicking today why is it not happening um, but I think there's a constant emphasis on the overall person and you know maybe there's maybe you can tell just by the body language of somebody walking into the building on a, into the track that what's going on today something's happening and maybe it's an exam Maybe there's a breakup. Maybe there's a death in the family. Whatever, the the mental and the emotional um, part of coaching and and of developing 
good people and good athletes is something that's that's just as important as as hitting the times um, so that's something in terms of recruiting yes we can do all that stuff if you come here we feel like you can be successful um, as an athlete but I think also as a as a student as a person there's just as much emphasis on that I'll ask this question in uh, in hopes that uh, our behind the scenes guy Geisen will pop his head back in because I, I really uh, <laughs> I really feel like this question uh, could be directed at, at him as well, too. But, uh, of course, this is the last episode um, of Something in the Water, at least for now. Um, but you have a, a couple more media pro- projects on the go, but also planned for the future. Maybe you can uh, talk about that a little bit, Dave. In terms of media and communications? Yeah. Well, we should get Geisen back in here. Um, <laughs> just because it's his, uh, it's his turf, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So... Um, uh, you know, he had the idea of the Mighty Griffs, which was sort of a, a tongue-in-cheek comment that we've had for a while. It's just sort of, <laughs> you know, come on, Mighty Griffs. Um, and uh, credit to Geisen, it's uh, we have uh, periodically what we call idea breakfasts. And we just go to an old diner and sit around, but everybody's supposed to show up with an idea um, or two. And we kick them around and we see which ones we can really run with. And... Um, and one of the ones we had in the fall was just what are what's a playful idea and Geisen had i'd like to do a little video series called the mighty griff so it was like okay let's let's go for it so that that one's been evolving um and, and you can check it out on our various platforms and then moving ahead i see Geisen's arrived now so maybe i'll just let him uh, sneak <laughs> on in here and riff off of me about uh, uh future projects and what we're going to do yeah um so mighty griff has been quite a journey um learning along the way um it's been Exciting. I think there's a few different ways I think we can uh, evolve that to make it more uh, telling of a story of, I think, our entire unit. I, I would like to sort of find a way to expand that to, to do a bit more about the speed of a story. Um, not quite fully formed on those ideas, but uh, we're going to find a way to get that going and really bring people into the culture. I think that's that was kind of the goal we had with all the communication stuff because I think people tend to watch from afar and we want to get people engaged a little bit more. So. We've always got new ideas and plans, <laughs> and it's, it's just crazy. I mean, we had a party at our house last night, and uh, a lot of it was people in our unit, but it's certainly in the community, and we probably had 15 ideas by midnight about stuff that we think we're going to do, and then it's picking through <laughs> them and finding out the ones where you get the most bang for your buck and, and whatnot, so... Mm-hmm. But. You know, so much of the series has uh, has been about storytelling, so I, I feel uh, kind of a, as, as the penultimate question, uh, I, I think we should go to a story that you told me, but we never got to fit into the series, and I, I feel like it's a good one, but maybe you could talk about the time that you shut down the 401. Oh, no. <laughs> that was a rough one. Uh, well, I can do it in... What's that? <laughs> yeah, I'll give you the short version right now. What's my time frame here? If you're law enforcement, maybe now is the time to go. No, the check law enforcement. <laughs> the law enforcement ended up on side. The 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 quickish version of it is uh, back when we had nothing. I was just trying to get things for bounding for plyometrics, and mm-hmm. I'd ask anybody and. This went on for months, and a friend of mine who was a wrestling coach one day called me and he said there was a, a fire at a high school in Milton before a wrestling tournament, and so all the stuff's damaged, but maybe there were some old wrestling mats there. So I took our, uh, 
our young uh, studly rookie at the time, Peter Sullivan, <laughs> with my friend Dougie, and drove down in a pickup truck to this torched high school, and we met the coaches and the insurance agents, and they were good enough to just just take a couple of mats and throw them in. So we took these soot stains, kind of half-melted wrestling mats, and rolled them up and put them in the back of Doug's truck. We made a little pyramid and stopped at Timmy's and we drinking coffee and eating our donuts on the 401, driving back and I remember just hearing this <laughs> and Peter was looking all over the place and I was like I don't want to stop I don't want to look back uh, and one of the it all worked out okay folks nobody got hurt so now it's just a funny story but there was a wrestling mat tumbling down the 401 and a guy behind uh, us in a station wagon uh, ran into it now it's just soft rubber and then eventually came up with size. He actually turned out to be a pretty good guy because there was red rubber and black soot all over his car. And I was like, we're going to pay for it. And he was like, I think I can just wash it off. And we threw the other wrestling mats in this churchyard. And we went back. And uh, MTO and the OPP had showed up and, and shut down the 401. Uh, with, and, and they were actually really quite good about it all in the sense of, what is that? And we're like, it's a wrestling mat. What were you doing with the wrestling mat? Um, and it ended up with Peter and I, uh, with the police cruisers to stop the traffic, running out the 401, getting these wrestling mats, then going back to the church, and the pastor had found these wrestling mats and <laughs> was wondering what they were doing. Uh, and then we actually went into the, the football change room uh, with the whole team and washed those suckers off and bounded on them for about the next eight years. So, so there you go, boy. <laughs> Uh, uh, Peter Sullivan was one of our big uh, first big sort of awesome metal like like mm -hmm. potent name recruits and I remember right. being out there with him and he's like I don't think this is what I imagined when you recruited <laughs> me whatever happened so yeah. Yeah. all right I'll, I'll throw uh throw one more at you guys and uh, I guess this one's one's aimed at guys and Dave and uh, and Scotty Mac might have a have a, uh, an opinion or, or two to throw at this, but uh, we're one week away from the U Sport Championship. How uh, how are the individual groups uh, looking within the team right now? I go, I go first. Um, I think the jumps group is probably the healthiest and happiest it's been in, in the time that I've been here. I think it's exciting to see. I think it's something that um, makes me smile as a coach because every year I'm like, how do I do it better? And I think you keep people healthy then they're pretty happy and they perform well. And it's been a telling story with almost every one of my athletes. I think I think this is the most jumpers I've seen go to U Sports under my leadership ever. And not just sitting like in twelfth place. I think almost everyone's in the top eight, which is which just makes it even more spectacular. And then there's room to move up for I'd say for everyone in the group. So I'm excited. They're excited and we'll see what happens when we get to Windsor. <laughs> Dave? Uh, you mean where? What do I think we're looking at for U Sports? In a yeah, week? yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're healthy. Um, we had a fabulous OUA uh, meet, and really, our message has been uh, to the team: just stay cool. It's, this has been a pretty loose team. Like they work hard and, and loose in a really good way. It's um, our flow through rate from uh, OUs to U Sports was the highest it's ever been. I think we have fifty four athletes out of a, a possible fifty eight maximum that, that could go through uh so so training's been great we had um a mild uh, what i would call sort of an oua uh, hangover earlier this week where people have to recalibrate and get back on point and uh, you could see one practice they kind of showed up 
maybe a little relaxed. I wouldn't say sloppy, but you know, you've just finished a big meet and they haven't hadn't switched their brain onto the next one. But that was just a quick meeting and saying, hey, hey, hey guys, keep your eyes on it. So this is, uh, Scott was talking about how busy the indoor season is. This is about the busiest time of the year overall because we're mm-hmm. preparing for the summer. Uh, our spring marathoners are getting going. We're working hard on recruiting, uh, event hosting, and then we throw these big, large championship meets into it. And elite athletes around championship time get a little crazy um, so right now there's a greater degree of sort of uh, emotional management and cajoling <laughs> and that we call it putting on the clown shoes and hey you know um but uh i think if we are just able to go back to windsor and do uh what we did at ou's um then i think we'll be just fine and uh, let alone stepping up and we're going to be sharper and peaked, and so hopefully should perform, as, as Geisen said. I mean, we're we're in good situations with a lot of athletes, and I think we still have some room to move up. Mm-hmm. Scott? Um, I'm excited about it. The previous uh, U-Sports or CIS championships I've been to was, uh, was as an Athletics Canada rep, so I'm excited to go to the coaches' meeting and not have to answer questions about <laughs> national team criteria for FISU and those types of things. Um, but, uh, no, it's exciting. And, uh, I think you're the first person I've ever heard say they're excited to go to a coach's meeting. <laughs> 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 you, can, you can have the authority of voting for us. As, as a representative of, uh, of one of the teams. Um, but, it, it, no, it, it, I think uh, what's exciting and what's fun is, uh, is how well represented we are across all event groups as well. So sprints, jumps, throws, um, and distance. So um, we're excited. OUAs went really well. So we're looking forward to, to keeping that momentum. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go back to Windsor. We've been to Windsor a lot, so thanks to those guys but um, for putting on so many meets this year. But, uh, yeah, it would be nice to, to go there and win some championships. That would be great. Well, that seems like a, a logical place to to kind of wrap things up. Um, you know, big thank you to all of you guys for for coming in today to be a part of the panel for uh, this final episode of of Something in the Water. Uh, big thank you to everyone who is tuned in or who um, are listening to to the audio podcast right now, uh, now and throughout the entire series. It's uh, it's been a ride, as a, as they would say. Well, we appreciate your time. Well, on that note, thank you for tuning in. This has been Something in the Water, the story of the University of Guelph and Speed River track and field teams brought to you by Sidious Mag, online at SidiousMag.com and at Sidious Mag on most social media platforms. For more great running commentary, podcasts, humor, and news, be sure to check them out. Big thanks go to Dave Scott Thomas and his crew for allowing us to peel back the curtain to see just what they're doing, to the Dimson gang, Evan, Trevor, Andrew, and Greg for all their help, and to Sidious Mag for hosting the entire series on their website. If you like this podcast, I encourage you to check out my other track podcast, The Terminal Mile. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at The Terminal Mile. Of course, as always, a big thank you to you for listening. For listening.